1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. We peel back the curtain and we learn how they do the awesome work that they do. This week, I have the privilege of talking with one of my friends, local friends even, Robbie Slaughter of Acela Work. And essentially, what he and I are going to do is have a conversation about email. Email is one of those things where we almost never fully cover it, or never fully wrestle it enough, or people can always use a new perspective on taming this thing. We can't really seem to get rid of. I know you're going to love this conversation. So let's jump right on in. This week, it is my privilege to bring to you Robbie Slaughter. Robbie, welcome to the show.
0: Happy to be here, Eric.
1: So I've known you for a long time. You're one of those people that you're so close, but we see each other not nearly enough, uh, only being an hour away in
0: Indianapolis. (laughs) That's true. I'm trying to think when we first met. I think it was at a blog Indiana event back in two thousand ten.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Man, it's been five years plus. Geez. And you were always, you know, unique in your approach to social media and even everything else for that matter. And gradually I realized, oh, you're very systematized and or at least the appearance of organized and professionalized and I don't know if that's entirely true or just what you put off, but uh
0: <laughs> You know, perception is reality. Yeah, right? There you go.
1: So, but I recently attended a a session that you did about email and I said, okay, it's time to have Robbie on the show and I want to do a deep dive on email because that's something that anybody, no matter if they're, you know, a stay at home mom, an office worker, an entrepreneur or a remote worker, all the people in the world pretty much are using email and pretty much feel like it isn't necessarily work to do email, but it's work to do email.
0: Yeah. Only about 2 billion people are using email right now. It isn't quite reached full saturation, but yeah,
1: it's one of those things you just, you almost can't avoid. And over time people, you know, it's, it's gotten bigger and people keep coming out with new phrases and new ways of approaching it and doing it. And it never really feels like it gets any better per se. So what's your take on this? I know that you consider email largely to be broken.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, email is like any other communication technology, that the fundamental technology has some elements to it. And no matter what you try to do to it, you can't escape those fundamental aspects of its design. I like to remind people that the very first time that Alexander Graham Bell used the telephone, do you know what he did?
1: I should know this. It's not coming to me.
0: He said, Watson, come here. I need you. <laughs> That's right. So the very first time the telephone was used, it was used to interrupt someone else and insist that no matter what they were doing, talking to me is more important.
1: Well, and to get them to come over and switch back to a different medium, even.
0: Absolutely. So there's two fundamental elements of the telephone and, and also similarly with email. If the telephone is an interruption-based technology, which is designed to make you do something that doesn't happen on the telephone, happens in real life. Right. And email is a non interruption based technology. It's an asynchronous method for communicating. So the intention is I send you an email and it's delivered. And then when you decide to pick up email and process it, you do that work.
1: I think that's the place where we kind of forget that, don't we?
0: We do. And it's really the curse of technology. Email is delivered so quickly. And we're so used to the idea of people respond instantly that we've turned it into instant messaging.
1: Yeah. I sent it. I know they have it. Mm-hmm. So. Why are they not returning my message? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, is it that we're dealing with humans or is it dealing that we're dealing with technology or are we dealing with humans dealing with technology?
0: I think we're dealing with culture and culture is what happens when no one is watching. The culture of email has transformed into this wonderful asynchronous medium, the way that letters used to be. You would write a letter to your pen pal or to your friend or to a family member overseas and you would wait for it to be delivered and then waste them to reply. But the culture of email has determined, has slowly migrated into this frantic 24-7, check your email from the beach, respond in five minutes, or I email you again.
1: Uh, yeah. And it, you know, I think what progressively got worse, especially with the invention of these portable devices, I mean, it was bad enough that desktops turned into laptops, but then mm-hmm. laptops turned into phones and tablets that could check mm-hmm. email.
0: Yeah, and... You know, I often point out that the technology of email is like a crutch. Look at Gmail, the platform that's become wildly popular now. Yeah, Yeah. Gmail was advertised and continues to draw subscribers by having virtually infinite storage space, which is really Google saying, we know that you can't manage your correspondence. We know that you can't properly process and file it. So we're going to just let you keep everything in search forever. (laughs)
1: Which some people, okay, so some people would say, but isn't that a good thing that if I know that I don't need this email and I don't need to respond to it, I can just archive it and know that I have it?
0: Well, that might be good if you wanted to have every record of every communication, but there's a big advantage in our society and our minds to not have records of communication. I mean, you and I might have a conversation. It may take a while to get to a decision or an idea, and if we had to search through everything we'd ever talked about out loud or in person or in every written or, or spoken medium, that would be an insane amount of information. Yeah. We need to record the decisions, not the discussion. Okay.
1: What about this idea that email just, it has these pain points, that it is, you know, this idea that we're spending too much time on email, but the email itself isn't the work.
0: That's absolutely the case. So email is work about work. Yes. And, The New York Times reported a couple of years ago that the typical office worker spends 20% of their working time, that's one day per week, on email. Jeez,
1: that's just, ugh. I can't stand that that's true because I know that I do that. What about this information overload in our emails? You know, some people are smart, or not for that matter, where they have separate email addresses, and it's one for, you know, personal and one for quote-unquote business or work, but... We don't receive just requests from people uh, or correspondents. We receive newsletter subscriptions or uh, ads and things like that. What does – I mean we're mixing in all these different pieces, kind of like junk mail.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's a problem too. About 95 percent of all the email that is actually sent is genuine spam. It's unsolicited to commercial email. And so a a big part of the effort that is put into the infrastructure – of email was just in fighting spam. So 19 out of 20 messages never get to your inbox because it's blocked by a spam filter on the way. But if you look beyond that, much of the rest of the email that we do receive is what is often called bacon. That is messages that we signed up to receive, but are otherwise commercial messages, newsletters, right. advertisements, and so on.
1: So it's something that we do want, like bacon but it's being delivered to us maybe at a frequency or they don't care about when they're sending it. They just want us to receive it. And we kind of asked for it.
0: Yeah. And one of the challenges of email is that there's no mechanism for your email system to know how busy you are. So you're going to get those messages whether you're available to read them or not, which is unlike an advertisement on the radio. I will only hear that radio ad if I happen to be tuning in at that time.
1: Right. Yeah. Jeez. What about this idea that email isn't really capable of facilitating? I mean, we talk, we're, we're kind of going around this, this idea that email is work about work. Why is email? It's good for maybe discussing maybe. I think the way you put it is it's better for using email to then jump off and use the best medium, like mm-hmm. a phone call or a face to face to really get work done.
0: Yeah, a good rule of thumb is to use email for coordination, but not for communication. That's it.
1: I mean, communication does happen through email, but only on the really lowest levels.
0: Right. Well, we know that most communication between human beings is nonverbal. It's body language. And certainly you have no body language over email. And then the next level of communication, which is the second most significant, is tone, intonation, inflection. And you have none of that over email. All you have is words. And what's even worse about email is that we tend to use email to dash off quick and informal notes. How many times have you received the message that says, oops, this is my fault, my previous message where I forgot the
1: attachment." (laughs) Yeah, I'll say this. I probably have done that at least three or four times in a given reason,
0: week or month. And the reason that happens is because email is so easy to write that we just put it out quickly and people write emails when they're angry, that when they're when they're happy, they emails are full of information which just is not a great way to communicate.
1: Yeah. Well, do you think that it's that we have trained ourselves to get to that instant communication point or at least the intention of communication rather than to stop and think about what the best method of communication is, and then to maybe decide to use email as a coordination tool instead?
0: Yeah, certainly we don't stop and think. But again, back to culture, we live in a culture of immediacy, that if you want something, you can get it right now. You know, if I want to watch my favorite TV show, I don't have to wait for it to come on anymore. I can go and watch it immediately. And the same thing is true if I want to order virtually any product, I can have it delivered next day, sometimes the same day to my home almost anywhere in the country. So we live in this culture of immediacy. And even though other people don't necessarily work for us to provide instant services. The computer is a place where we get everything else instantly, almost for free. Why shouldn't we be able to email people and get what we want instantly and for free?
1: True. I think that there's also been a lot of different shortcut or you know prescribed, here's how you deal with email and t- here's the magic bullet. I don't think you believe in that. Not at all. What are some of those magic bullets that you think are pretty much useless?
0: Well, never check email in the morning is one. And it's compliment only check email in the morning, (laughs) right? Another one is to use an autoresponder to tell people when you check email, which is really allowing a computer to be rude on your behalf. (laughs) Yes. So that's another one. Another technique that I hear often is to put your entire message in the subject line of the email.
1: Yeah. I don't see how that ever works because again, that's like you're trying to tweet in the subject line of an email and have it contain everything they need to
0: know. Right, so that one that one is tough. I've also heard people say that if you want someone to do something, you should send them a calendar request with the task to do.
1: <laughs> um that's no, because I'm actually much more averse to saying yes to a calendar item than I am to responding to an email itself. Right. Jeez.
0: So a lot of these quick techniques just, just don't make much sense.
1: Yeah. Well, and even if we're aware of the problem within ourselves to have this immediacy, you know, this, this, this quick cu- – our part in the culture, I guess I should say. And we then recognize that we are emailing with the culture. Uh-huh. How do we train ourselves and or the culture to start to change the game?
0: Well, probably the most powerful thing that you can do is control when and how you reply. So one of the most important rules for email is that when you receive an email, you should never respond to it right away.
1: Okay. Now, why is that?
0: Because whenever you respond to an email immediately, you teach the other person to believe that you will always respond immediately.
1: Gotcha. So it's, if they see that you're every single time, you know, they, even if it's not stated outright, it's subconsciously taken on their behalf. If they email and then you respond pretty much immediately every single time, they think you're always ready to be reached.
0: That's right, which obviously okay. isn't the case. Right. Now, and it becomes a bit conscientious at some point because the more urgent a request is over email, the less likely I am to deal with it urgently because it came over email. Right. If you need me urgently, what should you do? Call. Right. Or if, we're, if we work in the same office or we're next door to each other, come over and knock on my door and come talk to me. Yeah. And there's something valuable about synchronous communication that the idea that we're talking at the same time, we're having this conversation at the same time. I know that you are devoting this half an hour to me and this topic, and I'm devoting this half an hour to you and this topic. So we're both concentrating. We're both investing equally at the same time. And if I've got to stop you and say, hey, Eric, I got this emergency. I need your help. Well, I'm investing my time to talk to you about it as well as asking for yours. But if I email you and say, hey, I need, need your help. I may be asking for something unequal because the work that you have to do might be more time. You might have to stop some other urgent project. There's just no equity in.
1: Yeah, and I think that's another reason to believe the case that email is for – oh, geez. What are the two C words you used again? Coordination, Coordination. not communication. That it's better for coordination, not communication because you and I collectively, if we were having this conversation through email back and forth for a day – I guarantee you the two of us each individually would probably have invested about an hour's worth of time, each of us or more in the reading, in the thinking of the response, in the, you know, thinking, drawing our attention away from something else, and then having to shift our frame of reference and even maybe look something up. And it's different for us to then have this conversation face to face or over the phone than it is to do it through email. I really believe
0: that. Absolutely. So one thing you have to do is stop responding to emails right away. And the second thing you have to do is to really think about how you're responding to emails, to treat them like genuine correspondence. So people will often send an email that doesn't have a subject line, or they just reply to an old handy message from that person with a new topic. Oh, yeah. They'll not have a greeting. They won't say, hi, Eric. How are you been? What's going on in your part of the world? How are things up uh, in the Northeast? People won't use those openings and greetings, or they won't have a closing or a signature. So we often don't treat email like real correspondence. We just sort of send a message out there as if it's a text, as part of an ongoing conversation. But if you make an active effort to make every one of your messages have that structure of correspondence, a greeting, the name of the person you're talking to, a an opening statement if you haven't talked to them in a while, a specific request... And then at closing, you're going to increase the formality of the communication. The person's going to have to stop and think, hey, this really is for me. I need to talk to them. I need to interact with them.
1: That reminds me of being in elementary school and going through the steps of learning how to write an actual postage letter. Did you do that? Oh, yeah. Man, it comes to mind that that really what you just were listing off is pretty much the same thing, you know, (laughs) other than putting the stamp on and licking it and putting it in the mailbox.
0: Sure. And it slows you down and makes you more effective, and it also slows the other person down. You know, I just got an email today from someone, and I, I sent them a message yesterday. I said, hey, I'd love to have a conversation with you about this topic. How about the second week of August? Please send me some dates. And she writes back and says, I'm available Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday of next week.
1: Oh, now- and that's
0: the, that's the entirety of her email. Yes. She doesn't say, hi, Robbie, good to hear from you. She just says that. And so that indicates to me that she didn't really read my message.
1: Yeah. Well, and and not to mention the fact that next week is not August.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) So I've got to go through and I'll reply to her and say, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm not available next week. I'm available the second week of August. What dates? And just belabor the point. Yeah. And it it will slow her down.
1: Good. Good. What else can we do to train ourselves to do this better and therefore training others to do it better as well?
0: Well, I also encourage people to develop scripts that they use for email. And these should be scripts that match their own personality. And also match the kinds of interactions and problems that they experience with email in their organizations or with their email partners.
1: Okay, and now, So these scripts
0: can, can be things like, let's say you do a lot of networking. You might say, hey, it was great to run into you at, and then film a location of the event. I'd love for us to have a follow-up conversation over a cup of coffee. Let me know when you're available, say, in the next two to three weeks. And you can just put these little scripts into a text file. If you want to use a text replacement application, you can get fancy. Just having those pre-written is a great thing to do for messages that you send or reply to often.
1: So then that still kind of plays into that whole shortcut or immediacy idea of, you know, you know what you want to say, but then you still get the best of both worlds where it's it's built out and structured and, and fully developed and you but you still get to just fill in the blanks in a way. Right.
0: And that can be for proactive emails you're sending for the first time or also response emails. You know, a template that I have often used is simply the message that says, wow, it looks like you're really passionate about this topic. Why don't we schedule a phone call to talk about it in more detail? Nice. And I love this (laughs) template because if anyone sent you an email that goes on for paragraph after paragraph, you don't even have to read the email. You can just reply with that.
1: (laughs) Nice. So you don't feel like that's uh, like... Uh, I'm trying to think of like, it's not caring about what they said. Are you just kind of leaning on, well, if we have, if they say yes to the phone or to the phone call, you know, I'll get it all there.
0: Yeah. I can go back and read it. And you also can read it, but that way you don't have to respond to those details.
1: True. You can always read it after they've said yes. Mm -hmm. So you're prepared for the conversation. Right. Good point. (laughs) That's nice. Let's go back to that whole, it's kind of the, the half and half shortcut that people say, where it's like, oh, don't check email first thing in the morning, or no, check email first thing in the morning. A lot of people are saying, well, I, you know, they tout this almost like a humble brag. I only check email once a day. Is that what we should be doing?
0: I don't think so. First of all, I think we need to excise the word check from a vocabulary. You don't need to check your email. I'm, I'm confident it will still be there.
1: <laughs> yes, it's not broken. Well, I mean, it's right. broken, but stuff's still coming in.
0: You don't need to confirm that it still exists. yes. You need to process your email. Okay. And the fate of any email message is to be processed, which means you need to reply to it or you need to delete it. Those are the two things you'll ever do. You might take the information out of email and put it somewhere else, but you're going to reply or you're going to delete it. Those are the ultimate two fates of any email. Okay. And I believe you should never file email. A lot of people are advocates of filing systems for emails, but I think that's a big waste of time. First of all, you're playing librarian for your own correspondence which means the other person is playing librarian for their correspondence. So we always private libraries that no one will ever use. Huh. And secondly, if you're saving an email, you're probably saving something in that email, which should go into the purpose built system for that. So I've got your name and your email address and your phone number and your address and information about you in my contacts directory. So if you send me something that says, Hey Robbie, move to a new house. Well, And you give me your address, I'll put that in the contact structure. I'm not going to save the email from you, which says where your new address is. That's crazy. So most information we receive in email should go into the purpose-built system for that type of information.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Really, the only reason to ever save the text of an email is in case you need to prove you had that interaction later. Right. Which really, by the way, we shouldn't be doing very often because we shouldn't use correspondence defensively. Oh, right. But if you do need to do that, your sent items folder is the ultimate record of everything you've ever said.
1: True, because those don't necessarily go to trash, do they?
0: No, they go to the sent items folder. And I would say that if you send me a request, let's say, hey, Robbie, stop working on project A and start p- focusing on project B, and I'm concerned that you, as my supervisor, may come back later and say, hey, what happened to project A, well, what I should do is I should respond and say, got it, Eric, I'm focused on project B now. Project A is off the table. And yeah. then later on, if you come back and complain to me that Project A isn't making any progress, I can give you the email in which I confirm that you said you didn't want me to do it.
1: Nice. And that's not necessarily defensively. That's more factual. Like, hey, I'm checking up to see. And you're like, well, the reason I switched priorities was you said this. And here you go.
0: Uh, and I understand that you and I will feel it's factual. But to people who don't manage teams oh, or projects yeah. well, it'll seem defensive.
1: It'll it'll seem emotional.
0: Yes. So it's okay to have that information in your archive, in your sent items, but you shouldn't rely on it and you shouldn't plan on using it.
1: Okay. I'm trying to think of what other pieces here really are big hangups in terms of how this works. Oh, I know. First in and first out. Mm -hmm. That is huge.
0: Yeah. You know, most systems in our world that we use fall into one of these two categories. It's either first in, first out or FIFO or it's last in, first out. And, uh, you know, you look at first in, first out. That's a great system. You go to the grocery store, the first person in line in the grocery store is the first person who finishes. The last person in line is the last person who finishes. And that seems very fair and equitable. Yeah. But, you know, you get on the bus, like a charter bus across country. If you're the first person there, you're early. Guess where you have to sit? In the back. The back of the bus, which means you're going to be the last person off the bus. So the first in is last out. And last in is first out. So that these LIFO systems, last in, first out, they're very unfair. And the way we tend to sort email automatically is we put the newest items at the top.
1: Yeah, and, and I don't think there's a way, is, unless there's a labs thing out there for Gmail, I don't think there's a way to change that.
0: Yeah, in Gmail, you have to use a labs feature or you have to go to the last page and work your way forward. And to me, that is a terrible misstep on their part because it encourages people to deal with the most recent message. Not the oldest message. It's the oldest message, which is by definition most urgent.
1: Yeah, it's like if you were dealing with an analog paper tray inbox and people were putting things in there all day. Well, you wouldn't reach for – well, you could, but you wouldn't reach for the thing that's on the top there and deal with it because the thing that's at the bottom is the thing that needed to be dealt with first. It's the one that has time decay going against it.
0: Yeah, it's it's more urgent because it's been sitting around for longer. Yeah. So most email platforms, uh, you know, Microsoft Outlook, Apple's mail platform, and so on, those all allow you to sort your email, put the oldest on top.
1: I know that there are some mobile device apps that will change that view. However, what's your opinion on dealing with email on a mobile device?
0: I think the only thing you should do if email on a mobile device is delete emails that only require processing for you to read them. I think that's really the best use of your mobile device. So if you send me information that I want to read, but I don't need to reply that I got it, I think it's fine to do that on a mobile device. Okay. But having complex coordination is a bad idea. It's just hard to use those devices effectively.
1: Yeah, I hear that. So when should we sit down and process? Is there a prescribed, you know, do it two times a day, three times a day, or for how long?
0: I find that about half an hour is a good period of time to process email, uh, an hour at the most. But when you're processing email, you you should use a feature of your email platform called the Work Offline feature. Now, this is interesting because most of us remember a time when internet access was periodic. You had to actually turn your computer on and then turn your modem on and dial in to the internet. Right. And then while you were not dialed in, you could still do stuff on your computer, but nothing would be sent or received. So most email platforms still have a feature which allows you to work offline, to download all the email, work on it, Queue up all the messages to send. And then when you go online, they're sent and received. And this is analogous to how the actual physical USPS mailbox works at your house. You can put stuff in the mailbox anytime you want, but only once a day, six days a week, will someone come by to pick up that email, yeah. pick up that physical mail, and also drop off new mail for you. Yeah. And what this means is that while you're working in offline mode, you won't receive messages while you're processing messages.
1: Right. So you can really process and get them done what needs to be done that's in there, and process it through but you don't have any new coming in at the same time.
0: Absolutely. So you don't get distracted by the ding of a next message while you're working on the previous message.
1: Which can feel like it's more urgent, which then can feel like it's more important. Yes,
0: which isn't true at all. Right. And as far as the time of day, it's really more important to think about when your emails are sent, that is when during the course of the day, as well as how long has passed since they were sent to you and you're sending a reply. So if you are a night owl or you have kids and it's easier for you to work at 10 or 11 at night, it's perfectly fine for you to process email at that time. But I would encourage you to leave your computer in offline mode or use one of the scheduling tools to ensure your emails are not sent until your working hours the next day.
1: Yeah. And why is that? I know why, but I'm asking you. (laughs) Yeah,
0: we don't want to communicate to other people that we're working hours that we don't want to be available to them. Because if your schedule happens to be that you're working at 11 p.m. at night one night and you send me an email at 11 p.m., and I happen to be working at 11 p.m. that same night and I respond, well, now I'm expecting that you're available to provide customer service to me at 11 p.m. at night.
1: Yeah. And and that's the last thing you want is to, they're sitting there in processing, whether they're good at, whether they're doing good processing or quote unquote just checking, you don't want to give them the impression that you are also live.
0: Yeah. Not at all. So. So instead, work on email whenever you like, but ensure that your emails are only actually sent during the work hours that you want to present to other people. Right.
1: Man, this has been good stuff. I know that we're coming up on our time here. I know that you have a book out. How can people go and grab this and dive in deeper?
0: Yeah, the book is called The Battle for Your Email Inbox. And it's available in print form on our website, efficientprofessional.com. Just click on the store link, and they can order a print copy of the book, The Battle for Your Email Inbox. And it will shortly be on Amazon as a Kindle book as well for folks who prefer over Kindle.
1: Nice. Robbie, how can people find you online?
0: Our company is called Accelerork, A-C-C-E-L-A-W-O-R-K. That's Accelerork. We provide speakers and consultants. And of course, anyone's welcome to Google me, and hopefully they can find me.
1: Awesome. Robbie, it's been great talking with you. Let's do it again soon. Fantastic. Thanks, Eric. So what'd you think? Are you walking away from this show with a different perspective on your email? Let us know. Head over to the show notes for this episode at list.com slash 111. And you can leave a comment. Let us know what you thought. How are you wrangling your email Are you doing something cool and different, or did you find something out in this show that's maybe changing your perspective and, and giving you a little bit more of an edge when it comes to not being overwhelmed by your email? Let me know. Let Robbie know. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next episode.